Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome back to another very special edition of Atlanta Business Radio. It's time for Tuesdays with Corey, brought to you by our good friends at the Long-Term Care Planning Group. Now here's your host, Corey Rick. Sanjay, thank you very much. And today we have another great guest on the Tuesdays with Corey show. Jane Reed is a CEO of Can You Imagine? And that organization it provides personalized residential gift solutions. Jane's been an outstanding leader since her days as the captain of the UGA tennis team back in the mid-90s and has also led multiple companies here in the Atlanta area as their CEO. Jane, welcome. Hi, welcome. Thank you for having me. I am very excited to share all of your successes with the listenership here, Jane. To start us off, just tell us a little bit about you so we can introduce you, for, introduce you further. Okay. Well, thank you, Corey. It's great to be here. Um, I am a native of Atlanta. Um, grew when up, was the last time anybody heard that? I know. I know. And I'm proud to say that. Um, um, I am a mother of four boys, and um, I get to have that pleasure of juggling that every day as well as... Um, the, the pleasure of running a company called Can You Imagine? Uh, apartment Gift Solutions, providing um, really great custom and unique um, gifts um, to welcome residents as well as to um, provide those really great uh, touch points to connect with residents um, throughout their entire living experience. Um, and so that's what I'm doing now. And um, so thanks for having me. How old are your boys? I have four boys, uh, 12, 11, and my twins are 10. Twins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you don't really have any free time. I guess we can scrap that part of the segment. I saw running that. A, <laughs> uh, running a company and, uh, talk and, and uh, you know, helping uh, four boys. What sorts of activities are they in? So they're also different. Um, they keep me, keep me on my toes. Um, but they're big sports kids, um, and one that's more into music and one that's into research and STEM. So they're going in a bunch of different directions. Yeah. And I'm sure you're keeping them the, between the posts and uh, helping shuttle them to and from and giving them the proper coaching and advice. I try. Keeping them busy is um, doing things that they love, you know, and if, uh, if I can try and um, discover some things that they're passionate about and yeah. help keep them uh, busy and pursuing those um, to achieve, you know, doing things that they love. I mean, it can't get better than that. Yeah. And it's okay if they don't play tennis. Well, passion is a great <laughs> is a great word. It's a word that we're very fond of at our organization. And early on, you had a passion for tennis. Mm -hmm. How did you acquire that? And, and tell us a little bit about how that unfolded. Well, I think as long as I can remember... I had a tennis racket in my hand, a uh, wooden Bancroft, probably as, as far back as my memory goes when I was just a toddler following my mom. We are really to... dating ourselves now. <laughs> um, but, you know, I owe this to my mom. Um, sure, she was committed to keeping us busy and uh, involved, and she had a love for tennis. And I followed her, and after she would play, I would play, and that's where it started. And so not only did it start with a love, but... It started with, hmm, I think I can play this and maybe do well. And I kind of am wired to um, drive and, and achieve, especially to, um, with things that I'm passionate about. Yeah. 
Well, you, your drive and your success with tennis led you to UGA, and you were a member there, and you were the captain, and there's a lot of things that you achieved there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think of all the things that I'm impressed with, uh, I think the fact that you were able to do well scholastically and also be captain and, and do all the things that you did at UGA, how did you, how'd you do all that? You know, I think I am just wired that way to, I'm just driven. I want to achieve and I want to, um, just be busy and, and, um, it's, it's kind of hard to say. Um, but the opportunities that were given at UGA, I took advantage of that and I seized Clearly. those opportunities and they're not only opportunities to participate, but to create additional opportunities that would open doors to um, position myself as an intern, let's say for Coach Dooley. That was first time ever, and I was so grateful for that. Um, and spearheaded a lot of, a lot of things that um, I wasn't afraid to step outside the box, and I think they fostered that there. So, You were captain of the team too, right? I was. What year was that? Um, I think that was 96, 96. 97 year. And you would have been what year in school? Uh, sophomore. Sophomore. Yes. Why do you think that that happened so early on with you? Because isn't that, isn't, that isn't that something that's sort of reserved for mostly seniors, maybe the occasional junior? Sure. Um, you know, I guess so. And each year is, is such a unique situation that coaches um, the dynamic of eight girls um, on a team. Uh, the coach takes it, you know, Jeff would take it one year at a time. And, um, you know, there's not just one set set way that, uh, you know, he chooses or, or captain surface. But, you know, um, it was an opportunity. I was just a, a natural leader and I wasn't the best on the team, but I did um, try hard and, and I worked hard. Um, and perhaps I was able to contribute uh, more so maybe in a leadership capacity than in a playing capacity. Wow, that's pretty strong. I think that uh, certainly a captain has to set the example. They have to set the work ethic. And um, uh, didn't you win a couple national championships as a team at Georgia while you were there? So uh, we won one national championship, um, the indoor national championships. Um, and what was that like? That was probably the highlight of my tennis career and to be able to share that with um, a team. And it, it was um, my doubles partner, Lisa, is still one of my best friends mm. today. And to be able to share that and it, it actually came down to our, our match. Um, and uh, she was such an incredible leader. And, um, and I was a freshman, she was a senior. And so it was um, it was an experience I am so grateful for. It was one that I can't believe we got through, um, but uh, it's extremely vivid, and we relive it every every year together on Facebook. You know, does your um, does your team have reunions and get-togethers? Do you get together at the football games or anything like that? We do, we do, and you know, Georgia tennis is is and. Uh, Athens is just such the mecca of, of college tennis and, um, the facilities are incredible and the traditions are incredible. And so, yes, um, every year there are gatherings at, uh, you know, tailgating and especially when tennis is held, uh, the NCAA championship, tennis championships are held in Athens. Um, we all, hmm. we all go. 
Well, it sounds like the team, uh, there was a great camaraderie and a great spirit. I, I, don't you think that that's required if you're going to do anything team-wise, that there be a chemistry and that people all sort of be moving in the right direction? Absolutely. And that's probably one of the greatest gifts that I, I learned from my coach, um, Jeff Wallace at Georgia, was his ability to build winning teams. And as a leader, that is just an incredible quality. And so I aspired to um, to be like that as a leader, whether I was an employee starting out. Um, and But to, to be able to uh, really uh, form a team that is aligned um, and everyone has their role, very clear role, and the common goal, it's, um, that's an extraordinary thing to be able to do. Well, it seems like everybody recognized their place, you know, from conversations that I've had with mm-hmm. you. Uh, I think it, to me, uh, it, it speaks volumes that uh, Coach Wallace wanted you to be the captain when you were a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, so obviously early on, the leadership, all those things were there. And it doesn't surprise me that you've done what you've done, uh, given that start. Thank you. So how many hours a day did you practice when you were at UGA, roughly? Right. We were, um, gosh, we'd have morning workouts, afternoon workouts. We'd have volunteer workouts. Um, but it was usually probably two to three hours The volunteer a day. had the air quotes in it? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, um, it was a great balance. Um, yeah. we, it was definitely... Our, our primary reason, um, that's the reason I went to Georgia, was to, was to play for Jeff and to be a Bulldog. And um, it was just an amazing experience that I'll forever be grateful for. How did you decide to go to UGA? I think that being from Atlanta, um, I got to see um, other um, you know, girls from Atlanta that went on to play at Georgia and... I, they were always, I always idolized them, um, and the MacArthur twins, especially. Um, and so it was just always a goal of mine to be able to earn a scholarship and, and play for UGA. Um, I had the opportunity of, of looking at some other, other places, but my heart was always here. And when yeah. that opportunity was given, I, I took it. That's uh, really cool that yeah. you were able to capitalize on, on that. Now, we don't have time to talk about all the awards and everything that you did at UGA, but one thing that that really uh, stood out to me was you won the Arthur Ashe Sportsmanship Award. And Arthur Ashe is somebody that I think a great deal of. Uh, tell us about that. Um, the Arthur Ashe, oh goodness, it was so long ago. Um, it was, uh, I believe, an award that was um, given, you know, um, for those that demonstrate the leadership, the sportsmanship. Um, and, you know, again, it, it, it's an opportunity to recognize um, individuals that may not be the best, um, may not be number one on the team, but uh, it does truly represent um, someone that, that contributes and as, is as important as any other teammate. Yeah. And so being able to step up from that sportsmanship um, you know, uh, and being a leader and a, and a teammate, um, all encompassing, so to speak. Um, it was a great honor. What do you think your experience as an athlete, you know, what do you think it's taught you and how does it translate to business? You know, it's the list, gosh, it's an, it's an endless list, um, that 
being an athlete has taught me and has easily, easily transcends into the business world. Um, you know, one thing that sticks out again is my desire to build winning teams. I love that sense of achievement and, um, you know, sharing in that success with all of my teammates, you know, also known as employees Hmm. and realizing that every single person in an organization and on a team contributes in very meaningful ways. And, um, and if you don't embrace that and you don't encourage that and you don't uh, embody sort of that in your culture, um, it can, it can create silos and, um, people aren't, aren't, you know, on the same page and, you know, trying to strive towards, you know, achieving that common goal. So, um, it also has, you know, being an athlete and you learn how to lose and rebound and recover. And when you make mistakes, you have to, at some point in time in your life, realize that it is okay to make mistakes. You got to have a short memory. You do. And you have to let it go. And that mental toughness capacity, <clears throat> that skill set, that emotional intelligence, the, um, the ability to learn from those opportunities. Because someone once told me it's not a mistake unless you don't learn from it. Mm-hmm. So uh, the list could go on and on, but I'm, I am... I think it also, I've also realized more and more that um, maybe there's a hard wiring in me that sometimes doesn't settle and and maybe doesn't allow myself to appreciate some of the the victories that maybe I should pause and appreciate more. Um, That that being my hardest critic, you know. Um, And that is something that as a coach, I want to help my teammates and my colleagues realize that, you know, you're going to stumble and be vulnerable and, um, you know, take chances and take risks. But as long as you leave everything out on the court, as long as you've given your best, you know, it's okay. You can't, I will say one more thing. And that is you really in athletics and sports, you can't control the winning and losing. And that is a, a valuable lesson that I learned and I, I use in the workplace today, you can only control the process and your efforts of what you put into it each and every day. So um, that, you know, for someone who is a, a bit on the control side of things. No, um, this just in. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it, I have to be extremely mindful of that. And, um, but it's, it's exciting to roll that out into the workplace. Do you think what I've heard from you and what I've seen is that uh, you strike me as uh, a play-to-win person, aggressively pursuing the next victory, aggressively pursuing the next game, as opposed to, you know, I see a lot of teams and I see a lot of people play not to lose, and that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. And so uh, would you say that's a fair characterization? Absolutely fair. Um, and that's that's the thing, um, you know. Especially that that surfaces when you are, um, maybe you're winning, and maybe you are in a little bit of a you've got a lead, or you've had a series of successes. Keeping that edge, yeah, and keeping that sense of urgency and intensity. That you know, be grateful for exactly where you are in in your lead, but realize that you know the competition is nipping at your heels, and. And so if you, if, when I would play, um, my coach would often tell me, even if you're up four, one, pretend you're down, 
actually pretend and just tell yourself they are going to come back. Mm-hmm. And then it keeps you on your toes so that you don't let up because it can take one, one shot, one miss, and it can turn the momentum. And so, yes, I, that fear, and, and when that changes, you start playing in fear of not losing instead of staying positive and keeping that momentum and energy towards playing to win. You know, in knowing you, I, I see there's at least two turning points early on at UGA that maybe had a, a, a big hand in shaping you. One is, you know, playing in the deciding game in the national championship. Mm-hmm. And, and and certainly you won, and that, I think, has its own way of doing things. Had it turned out differently, mm-hmm. that could also have its own, you know, set of shapings. But do you think being captain, being named captain early on at such an early age, do you think that that was a turning point for you? I think it was from a sense of others believing in me. Um, I... Uh, I struggled with sort of that, that um, self-confidence, um, which is why I think I worked so hard to try and win and achieve is sometimes you would identify, you know, and it's not, not the greatest thing to do um, is to identify yourself with your achievements. Um, that's not who you are. And it's not who I am today. It has shaped me. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, um, yeah, I I think that um it's it's all great great experience in that that it has shaped me and who I am. Well, you've certainly capitalized on it. Yeah. And you did well scholastically while you're there, which is also unique, but you know, so while we're on the subject of tennis and I'm I'm very uh interested and fascinated by it. I have to ask you a couple of questions related to the pros. One is is Serena Williams the best tennis player ever in your opinion? Not in my opinion. I think she could be definitely, definitely known as the greatest female tennis player of all time. There's, there is no doubt. But in my definition, it's a little bit different. Mm. Um, I, I still think Steffi Graf is probably, um, she was, she had it all, you know, while she wasn't necessarily a powerhouse um, and, and dominating to me, she had it all. She had the poise. She had the grace. She had the that emotional intelligence piece. She wouldn't get rattled. Um, not to mention countless, you know, Grand Slam titles. Mm-hmm. So to me, and my definition of the greatest tennis player is is sort of more all encompassing versus just defined by how many titles you win. How about on the men's side? Mm-hmm. Who do you think will be the greatest men's player ever when it's Federer, all said and done? Hands down, Federer. It, probably for the same reasons, quite frankly, um, as as Steffi Graf. He, it, the the composure, the mental yeah. toughness, and not to mention their their generous hearts. Yeah. Because on and off the court, they're doing great things. Well, he certainly played in an era where there was some serious competition mm-hmm. with Nadal and Djokovic, and yeah. now now some of these other folks coming mm-hmm. on. So that's obviously we could talk for a long time about all that. So. You get out of UGA, you have this great career, you have all these achievements, then you get out in the working world. How was that transition for you? Um, it was very humbling. How um, so? It was very humbling. You know, you, um, I think there is this, this sort of, you know, 
you're looking through maybe some rose colored glasses a little bit that, oh, you, you're leaving Georgia and you, you know, you had some great, great success there that is just going to naturally transition into the real world. Um, and I was so excited about the first opportunity I had, which was in fundraising consulting here in a, um, uh, a fundraising, uh, a firm here downtown. And, you know, they would partner with mostly nonprofit and organizations to help them with capital campaigns. Well, I thought, oh, well, my passion for fundraising and we, you know, started the efforts to raise money for a new women's tennis facility. And I had, it was an amazing experience that would just transition into, I'd be in the consulting role. Yeah, not so much. You know, you're starting at the bottom and, and working your way up. And so I, I quickly realized that I needed to pivot in order for me to really feel fulfilled in my career. So I, with my passion for healthcare, um, selling and, you know, solving problems really, Mm. um, I, I knew sales was for me. Mm -hmm. And so that, that, uh, I then set, set forth towards, uh, in the pharmaceutical and medical. Well, you you had a job with Pfizer. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your experience with them. And I mean, obviously a great company, great training, great products. They've, they've really helped a lot of people. Hands down, probably the best experience career wise from a training leadership development. Um, and I was there just under two years. Mm. Um, and I'm so grateful for, for that experience. I, um, I, again, I think it's just in my nature to kind of see what opportunities might be in front of me um, to to sort of move the ball down the field, so to speak. And there was an opportunity for um, to go into medical device, which I was so passionate about because my junior year, I actually had a I took a red shirt and I had back surgery. And right after school, I ended up they ended up discovering I had a deformity, so I had a um, two level spine fusion. Hmm. And it just so happens that I ended up uh, working for a distributor that sold J&J, Johnson & Johnson um, great spinal company. implants. Another great company. Amazing. And I was selling actually the implants that were in my spine. So again, I was able to pair so that. So you had zero credibility with your clients, right? I know, right? Um, and it was, uh, it, was, it was really neat to be able to kind of pair my passion for healthcare and wellness and um, you know, to, to what I was doing each and every day, selling and making a career. How was selling for Pfizer different than selling for J&J? Well, I would say that when you are, the, the, the financial model was very different. Your as base salary plus bonus. When I was with J&J and medical device, straight commission, hundred percent commission. Hmm. So that mindset um, was very, very different off the bat. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to your day to day, however, the intensity and the expectations were all very similar. Um, not enough, not as much creative freedom in how you build relationships and sell day to day, um, much more, uh, sort of creative leadership in the medical device side. So, um, but it was absolutely exactly what I needed at that point in my life. Yeah. And I still use so much of, of what I learned today. Well, they sound like they were very different and they each had a big hand in shaping 
you know, your history and your background. I know that, um, you know, having been in pharmaceutical sales and implantable medical devices, uh, they are, they do provide a lot of great, great training, mm-hmm. uh, training from the standpoint of product and how to interact with people and how to build your day, all things that will translate probably to the things that you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. And, you know, the best experience I think I had was absolutely being thrown to the wolves in covering um, spine cases with neurosurgeons, orthopedic spine surgeons. And the, the best thing that I ever learned was to always be prepared with three different contingency plans. You have your plan A, and if hmm. surgeon gets in and, and you don't, you know, he says, uh-oh, we got to take a different approach, you got your plan B, and then a plan C that is most likely going to be able to help that surgeon um, do the best job he can for his patient. So I learned that from a colleague of mine. And um, I'll be, you know, again, forever grateful from learning Great from those. Great advice there. Yeah. Always be prepared. And that's what we do. And always have a fallback position. Yeah. Always have a rollback, especially with technology this day, this day and age and, and innovating. Um, turning off one system and turning on another is a bit scary. So um, I've learned a lot about, you know, always sort of, you know, innovate, but yet you have your fallback position so you don't disrupt your business. And as a leader, you have to be able to say, okay, if we're going to take this tack, but if that doesn't go the way that we think it does, what's the next step? Mm-hmm. How do we pivot? And, you know, having two or three contingencies, I concur a hundred percent with mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, from Johnson and Johnson, you ended up going to square one art. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that organization and, your multiple roles there and Mm -hmm. and what they do. Sure. Um, I was so, so blessed with the opportunity to have um, entrepreneurs as parents. Um, I watched from a a very, very young age the incredible work ethic of my parents. Um, My mother, a teacher, often working a couple additional jobs um, from creating her own drapery business and jewelry business um, to help again, uh, provide and give my brother and I the experiences that we were given. Um, my dad traveling, having, um, also uh, a couple of uh, businesses that he had ownership in that, you know, didn't work out for him, Hmm. but he and my mom, you know, seized an opportunity. They created an opportunity and absolutely, um, tackled it. And that was to live that dream of being a business owner. And for gosh, almost 20 years now, that's um, where Square One Art uh, started, and it's uh, still thriving today. And after I had, you know, about, I guess, 10 years in, the, in my own career, give or take, it made a lot of sense for me to, um, I could contribute in some pretty meaningful ways from a sales standpoint, leadership standpoint, and came into Square One and ended up uh, running the company. Hmm. That's not surprising either. Mm-hmm. Tell us about what exactly does Square One Art do? Yeah, it's it's a fabulous company. Um, basically, they partner with elementary school art educators or PTO, PTA presidents who oh, cool. are wanting to not only promote the visual arts, but also to help um, raise money and fundraise. So what would happen is the children would create their own little masterpiece. It would be... Um, uh, that Square One Art would then um, digitize that, put that into a personalized catalog with a free set of stickers for the kiddos. That would go home to mom and dad. 
they'd think, oh my goodness, the best gifts ever, mugs for grandpa, you know, and then about a third of whatever the parents ordered went right back to the school. So it was, you know, keepsakes that parents can cherish forever, but also meaningful dollars that go to support the visual arts, which is desperately needed. Very, very clever. How did, how did your mom and dad get the idea to do that? Um, it, it was, uh, there was already an existing, um, similar business model out there. However, um, my mom and dad knew that they could, they could do it in a much, um, better way, easier way for those art teachers. And my mom being an art teacher, Hmm. she knew the day-to-day grind and that it's gotta be simple. It's gotta be straightforward and it's gotta be quality. So, yeah. I, I, I did my best to uh, come in, and uh, my mom was an incredible role model and, and instilled a lot of me and my dad, too. So I, um, I for, gosh, 10, 11, 12 years, had the ability to contribute, I think, in, in really meaningful ways until it was time to go. It seems like, do you, do you think that your mom's uh, history of uh, playing tennis and being entrepreneurial and a work ethic, multiple jobs, I mean... It seems that there is a lot of similarities between the two of you. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, it seems like you've benefited grateful. tremendously by that. Definitely. Very grateful for those, for those characteristics and and ways that I've um, she's in, what she's instilled in me and my yeah. dad too. Well, it sounds like you guys spent a lot of time together, either competing mm-hmm. tennis, building something. It sounds like you came by this entrepreneurial thing kind of naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, uh, but was there a, a jumping off point where you decided, Hey, I have to run a company or I have to do something entrepreneurial. Was there some turning point that you can point to that led you here? Um, I, I, I don't think so that there was just one aha moment that, that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I think I, my parents really instilled in me almost that that work ethic and that, that passion for being an entrepreneur of like, even if I'm an employee of, of a company, I'm going to take ownership of my role and contribute at the highest level possible and see where that not only takes the team, the company, but also creates additional opportunities for myself to elevate in my career. And that just seemed to be a pattern for me. Um, and, um, especially creating something really special and achieving greatness uh, and sharing that with a team is just something that I knew I, I needed a new challenge. Um, and the opportunity with Can You Imagine was just an absolute perfect place for me to land um, after a very difficult decision of leaving the family business. Yeah. Well, it seems like you had a lot of great uh, experiences that, uh, well, uh, said differently, there was a lot of opportunities and you capitalized uh, on them. I mean, many people, you know, get led to the door, but they don't walk through it. I, I don't see that that's ever happened with you where you didn't walk through the door of an opportunity that was presented. So tell us about, can you imagine and kind of what you're doing and, and tell us about that experience now. Sure. Um, I am in my first year as CEO at Can You Imagine? And this is a pretty remarkable company that does great things. It seems so. It, it is such a feel-good company. And hats off to the, um, the founder and owner, Jennifer Verdecchia. Um, as 24 years ago, she you talk about just the quintessential entrepreneur. Um, she 
absolutely went for it at a very young age, right out of college. And uh, together, she and her husband, um, over the past 24 years, have really um, um, created something special. And she is also a mother of four boys and wanted to um, create some balance. And so she wanted to elevate herself, and it was time to really um, set the stage for can you imagine to go to the next level and, and you know investing in a position uh, like mine and in me I am so grateful for and this opportunity is sky's the limit and we've already done some amazing things the team the people are are fantastic um, but uh, it's it's exciting are there similarities, uh, you know, from the last business? It's definitely in the creative space. It's, I mean, gift giving is something that not only makes the recipient happy and feel cared about, but the person who is giving the gift, yes, that sense <clears throat> of pride and um, that we created this opportunity to make this person feel special, whether it was with you know, a hand turkey on a mug made by a kindergartner or, you know, the, the intent behind, you know, taking care of our greatest asset, which is our people and mm -hmm. our residents that, you know, that our clients that we primarily serve in the property management space, um, uh, that is, they're a very critical mission of their day-to-day -day operations is making sure that their residents have that living experience at their community that is second to none. And so how do you enhance that, strengthen those connections with your residents? Gifts are just an amazing way to do that. Well, I always wondered when I happen upon those, <clears throat> those, excuse me, those gift baskets, I always wondered where, you know, where they came from and sort of what goes into doing it. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and it seems like it's obviously a great business for you. It's a great, it's a great business. And it's, um, it, not only can we go deeper and wider within the multifamily industry, but there's certainly other channels that we look forward to tapping into. But I'm a big believer in let's, um, let's really stick to what we know best and um, perfect that the best we can and then scale and grow. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, with that being said, it's, it's such an exciting time for this company. Um, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to lead the way. You mentioned a couple of words, scalable growth. Um, you know, what, what plans and, and how do you scale a business like, can you imagine? Because, do you do just residential related work or, I mean, do you go into corporate America and buy executive gifts for folks? I mean, is that of interest to your organization? Absolutely. All of the above. Um, there is a, um, a very easy, um, easy is good. <laughs> a very, uh, our, our solution that we provide business leaders and their teams, um, it truly is a B, a B2B service hmm. and, um, really, any business leader or uh, team leader or property manager who really values building and strengthening connections with their clients and or residents, uh, people who refer business to them, yes, um, a token of appreciation, welcoming them properly, all of that can just, it, it builds, 
really meaningful connections. And we all know that when you have a strong connection and a strong relationship, regardless of whether it's a client or a spouse, mm. um, good things happen. And so you can build upon that. Um, and, and that's what we do. We're, we're, we're in the business of making people happy through uh, affordable, handcrafted, that, that truly speak, I care about you and I hope this makes you feel good. You know, I think that's I think that's very very important. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to make the assumption that you can provide counsel on whoever is thinking about using your services to send a corporate gift of some sort. Mm-hmm. You you would be able to say, hey, here's some ideas for a referral. Thank you. Or here's an idea uh, for a referral that comes from a client. Or can you speak to any of that and what your perspective is there? Definitely. Um, we have um, my, our team of gifting consultants, if you will, um, have been on our team over 20 years. Mm. I can you imagine? So the, the amount of experience and the creative design to, to make uh, and offer a custom gifting solution um, for your particular company is, is what we do. Whether that's a combination of... Um, you know, um, drinkware that is branded with your company's logo on it or, um, not including any branded items because we do feel that a gift still needs to be a gift. And there's an appropriate level of branded items that are there to highlight your brand, highlight, um, and strengthen your brand and the experience you're trying to give in the, uh, and be recognized for that brand recognition in the community and among the uh, apartment community, uh, branded items are paramount. It's an incredible tool to be able to do that. Um, at the same time, a, a nice balance of both within a, a gift, a personalized gift, um, is is what we try to achieve for our clients. I would agree that there is certainly a, a fine line in there about branding and, and giving a gift. And I mean, because ultimately, whoever you give the gift to, they're going to know who it came from. They're going to know why you sent. I mean, am, am I wrong? Have I missed something here? No. Um, and you know oh, what? Oh, good. I've been right. Mark this <laughs> down, Sanjay. I've been right once today. I got you. <laughs> um, it's, it's not necessarily about us making our mark on the gifts that we give. Um, there's a little bit of that. But we are, we're in the business of making our clients look good and, and make it easy um, and streamlined to, to give great gifts. Um, so often, you know, our, we hear time and time again that property managers and business leaders, they'll, they have their, you know, do it yourself gifts. Well, you know, our, our sort of kind of response to that is, you know, why, uh, DIY when you can see why I, and can you imagine CYI is, ah, is here to, I know, but um, um, is, is really there to relieve that administrative burden of procuring the best branded items that are for your appropriate for your community or your business. Um, but also, uh, with a great, uh, variety that complement um, the branded items with true gifts. So we're sort of that one-stop shop for, you know, we're in the business of giving gifts and promotional items that, Makes sense. What role, if any, does technology play in marketing and getting the word out about your organization now? The role of technology um, in getting the word out about our organization, uh, social media 
and um, definitely technology um, in the form of um, user-friendly CRMs and, um, you know, one of my favorites is Salesforce or HubSpot. Um, it, it transformed our business where I previously came from. Mm. I mean, the ability to do more and create more with less on our, our side of the business from systems and processes to really hone in on offering that consistent, timely, awesome customer experience mm -hmm. that we're so committed to delivering on. If you don't have the technical tools to do that, you're just going to have to continue to throw more man hours and, and bodies at the solution. And we all know what that can do. It introduces errors. It introduces, um, to, you know, delays, things like that. So, but that's a, that's an evolution. That's a process. Yeah. Yeah. So social media, it seems like it does play a role uh, mm -hmm. in your organization in terms of branding and getting the word out. What do you think, what gives you the most um, satisfaction in your current role? Mm. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind and I'm true, I'm a straight shooter here is my, our people and sharing in that success and building upon the amazing 24 years that can you imagine has already the history that, that they have is amazing. Together, our teams are so committed to that next version of Can You Imagine and being able to do that together, everyone playing a role. Um, and we've had some really great wins so far. And so that's, even in a short time, um, that's why it's so easy to say that, you know, our people are truly our, my greatest, you know, asset within our company. And so I guess we walk our talk, you know. Well, you must be doing some things right if you've had people there for 15 or 20 years mm -hmm. or more. I mean, that's, uh, that's a really, really important factor. Would mm -hmm. you agree having the, yes. the longevity and the... Uh, I would. I would. And, you know, something that my uh, business owner um, has really put on my mind. Um, and so each day I'm, I'm very intentional about honoring the, the legacy, honoring the old, if you will, the... Careful. Ways. Some of us are now, old. Now, when I say old, I mean the previous processes and systems and and respecting um, the hard work that has gotten the company to where it is today. Yeah. And then sitting in that, learning, always, truly understanding all of the whys as to how we do things the way we do them and why, and then building upon that. And I think you'll... We, I think that might be why we've managed through some pretty good change so far. Yeah. And not a lot of people like change, especially who've been there a long, long time. Yeah. Change is not always easy. It's kind of a four-letter word to some people. And I'm here, to, and my promise and my commitment is that it's not going to be. It's going to be fantastic in a, an appropriate pace, if you will. What do you suppose? What do you suppose is can you imagine's uh, biggest challenge? I don't know that. I, I think it's the the same challenge, if you will, or or opportunity, really, as as any other um, growing business. I mean, we're we're growing fast, and so that can come with um, some some challenges. 
mm-hmm. you know, um, keeping up with the technology, um, making sure that it's current so that at the end of the day, we can always deliver on that customer experience that Jennifer and her husband have worked so hard mm-hmm. to, to create these past, you know, couple decades. So it's really kind of, it, it's kind of like as your, as your company is, is growing, it's your plane is in the air. And it's like trying to replace the engine, you know, while it's in the air. It's like giving it a new paint job while it's in the air. It's hard to do. And not crashing. And not crash. <laughs> so it's managing change. Not crashing would be optimal. Truly. I mean, and it's it's just so true that managing change and especially improving your systems and processes, whether you need to rip and replace, you know, certain things, um, it, it's really about managing those projects with the least amount of business disruption. And so having that true strategic plan um, ironed out and everybody aligned towards, you know, that's the, that's our goal is to achieve that strategic plan. Then all the decisions we make on a daily basis, whenever we need help making a decision, that's our North is, okay, does this decision, if we do this, does this help us get closer to our mission of achieving our strategic plan? It seems to me that culture, you, you've done a very good job of continuing the culture that's been set forth, and can you imagine? Uh, what are your thoughts on it, it? seems one of the takeaways that I have from listening to you is that uh, the people that work there are empowered. Is that fair? It absolutely is, and I hope so, and I hope they feel that way. Um, I really believe in, in feedback and checking in, but I also know that in my role, you're not always going to hear the truth. You know, sometimes people are going to tell you what you want to hear sometimes. Um, and, and I realize that. So I really, really take pride in my leadership style um, of being a real inclusionary leader, um, present, um, real, vulnerable. You know, I own my mistakes. I ask for help. You know, what do you recommend? And, and uh, that, that real collaboration across the entire organizational chart, I think, by nature, empowers people because I do want to know what they think and yeah. what they recommend when it comes to, look, you use this system or you, you own this process. How could we make this better? Yeah. The answers are within our team. And when you can pull that out and make it safe for them to um, contribute in, in ways that maybe they've never been asked to, I think great things, special things happen. And yeah. that's how you create a real special family and bond. And I think that's what Jennifer and Drew have done so well. And I, I hope I can continue that and for the future. It seems like you've uh, used your team experience, uh, you know, from your UGA days. And it's, it seems to have served you very, very well in maybe not necessarily taking uh, your ideas to do things, but taking the best ideas, no matter who it comes from. Is that, do you think that's a fair assessment? Absolutely. If you're in the business of being, wanting to be right all the time, you're not in the right role. Um, and, and certainly not going to be a fit for my team. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, that mindset um, around um, truly, truly allowing people to contribute in in ways that are are natural, authentic. Um, and I I just want them to feel cared about, so that they want to contribute and um, go the extra mile. And because I will do it for them, 
And so I think that helps, uh, you know, be able to uh, live our day-to-day mission each day. Authentic is another way that I would use to describe you as well. I think that's uh, invaluable uh, to uh, to have as a mm-hmm. leader or being a part of a team. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not the best player on the team, part of being authentic could be being the best prepared or the one that plays the hardest mm-hmm. or the one that shows up the earliest. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the ideal client for your organization? I mean, if somebody sure. were to say, gee, I, what a great idea. I'd like to send somebody, mm-hmm. I'd like to send her a client. What would it look like? Sure. Um, our primary niche and, and who we serve is in the multifamily industry. Um, and Is there a certain size or? So really, no. Um, property management companies, whether they own hundreds of apartment communities um, or 10, you know, we work with um, property management companies and property managers uh, on a one-on-one basis or on a corporate level. Um, it's, uh, we have some pretty incredible services and solutions and value to contribute when it comes to um, providing a, a comprehensive um, gifting solution um, for, to truly drive that, that living experience they want for their residents. So our, our, our ideal client is truly um, property managers, leaders within those organizations that, that already believe in the value of gifting, that they do believe in appreciating their employees, mm-hmm. appreciating their residents, making them feel cared about. And if they are, you know, primarily we partner with their marketing teams, um, you know, we become an extension to their staff. Um, we're sort of that concierge, mm-hmm. all-in-one, providing gifting solutions, but also the promotional branded items um, in very low quantities, very low minimums, which is a great benefit for our clients because then they don't have to, you know, order a year's worth of pens or promotional items. And with, it's all online. And-, and yes. And so, yeah, everyone can go to our website, um, canyouimagine.com, and see what we do. But um, we're, we're much more than the gift. We're much more than just a branded logoed pen or coffee cup. Um, our partnership and our experience and our creativity can truly help make your um, gifting opportunities one of a kind and exclusive to your companies and to your communities. Yeah, clearly your organization is not like others and, and you're not like anybody else leading it. Um, you know, on the Tuesdays with Corey show here, we endeavor to get female executives and leaders that are giving back to their communities mm-hmm. that are having success. And everybody on here is vetted pretty heavily. And everyone on here is very successful that we have. Otherwise, they don't make it on the show. And one of the things I always ask everybody is, what sets you apart? And uh, tell the listenership what sets Jane Reed apart. What sets me apart, perhaps as a, a leader in my organization, is that the path you're wanting me to go down? Um, or what sets me apart is that I, I am real. I am as, as authentic as it gets. And I truly care yeah. like no other leader. And I want my teams to always feel that each and every day. Um, and so whether that sets me apart, I don't know. I just know that that's who I am. 
And I think it's working for me. Um, and the ability to kind of be vulnerable and, um, and, and real to, to build those strong connections so that truly the foundation of winning teams is connection. Um, and I do think that my passion for making sure that we are, I, Stu Thorne was, I believe this, uh, CEO of, um, um, Southwire and he's not there anymore, but I heard him speak one time and he said something very, very, um, it just hit home that as a business leader and as a business, um, we should take advantage of the opportunity to not only serve our internal customers and our employees, but serve our community. Mm. And so having a balance and a mission of both serving, offering that client experience, but also contributing to our community experience as well. And what that has done to our culture in my previous company, as well as what it is going to do and is already taking shape doing, um, it's transformational to people when by helping others who can't help themselves and coming together and doing that. So to me, I don't, again, I don't know if that sets me apart. It just helps further define kind of who I am. And so, so said differently, it seems that it's very, very important for you to not only certainly help your clients and derive the revenue uh, from that, but also to give back, Mm -hmm. uh, to take a portion of that and give back with your time to the community, to various things that resonate with you. Yes. And, and what, charities or organizations resonate with you and, and with Can You Imagine? Sure. Uh, well, I, I appreciate you asking that question um, because, you know, for me personally, um, my oldest son is um, has high-functioning autism and um, it's been a journey. And so the autism community and giving back, um, especially to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, uh, the Marcus Autism Center. Um, I, when I am able to give, <laughs> I am going to give. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to that organization, I, I do in ways that I can. Um, but it's not just of money, it's time, it's, yeah. it's you know, resources of others. And, um, and so the autism community is very near and dear to me, but also a recent, um, I serve on the board for Special Pops Tennis. And it is, is that an now? absolute phenomenal organization here in Atlanta. Um, founded by Jim Ham and uh, who is, is simply has a love for tennis and a passion for helping individuals with um, differences, intellectual differences, um, many on the autism spectrum, hmm. the opportunity to sort of have their grand slam moment, training moments um, through tennis and special pops tennis. They offer training facilities, hmm. um, training facilities, um, let me correct that. It's there's uh, practices at facilities that offer and, and donate their um, the use of their balls and, and their courts all over Atlanta. Um, and so it is just an amazing organization. Um, my boys and I, uh, we volunteered for the main tournament in September, which is coming up. And the joy it brought my family, myself, and to see my boys contribute and helping others, they were ball boys. And so they would help these individuals, whether they were in a wheelchair or some sort of um, difference that didn't, you know, that um, where they they could use some help. And I, I've never seen such a uh, a look of fulfillment on my boys. And I just knew that this was an organization I needed to be a part of. So I've joined their board, and 
Um, obviously, tennis is a passion of mine. Individuals with special needs are as well. And pairing those together is a perfect fit. Well, there is something that happens, I think, within someone when you give something, mm-hmm. whether it's your time, whether it's resources, money, uh, to uh, less fortunate folks. I mm-hmm. think there is something to that. Um, if you could give the younger version of Jane some advice and some insight, what, what would that be? Mm. Uh, the younger version of Jane, if I were to go back, um, I think I would, number one, pat myself on the back a little bit more, be a little nice. Do you have enough time for that? Do you, well, Because you did a lot when you were younger. I, I think, and it really what I mean by that is um, sometimes even some of my accomplishments were never good enough. And so I think I would go back and I would pat myself on the back in a way that Jane, you know, good job and, you know, kind of empowering and encouraging myself versus not allowing myself to embrace some of the victories that really are pretty significant. Mm. And, you know, I, so that's, I would also just say that, um, as far as if I were to, um, believe you know, just truly believe in yourself at a young age uh, the, as, as much as you can. Um, I wish I had more so earlier on. But you know what? That's the beauty of parents. That's the beauty of coaches. And that's the beauty of bosses is that sometimes they just know when to believe in you more than you do to mm-hmm. bring out the best in you. Yeah. So maybe maybe I wouldn't do anything different. <laughs> and hindsight is twenty twenty, yeah. of course. Uh, yeah. If there was a young lady that wanted to follow in your footsteps, what would you tell her? Goodness, gravitate towards those who you want to emulate, who inspire you, find mentors, become a mentor as you're um, you know, growing in your career. Um, I tell you, being a mentor for some of the um, students at uh, KSU um, – over the past few years, I think I truly gained more from mentoring them mm. and their inspiration to me than maybe they did for me. Um, but that's, um, I have a, a few people in my life that I will, that are lifelong mentors that um, have really helped shape who I am today. Well, that's really a really great advice. Uh, Jane, you've been a great guest. It's been a, a great time to talk about all of your successes. If one of the listenership or if the listenership wanted to get a hold of you or your company to talk further about how you might help them, how would they do that? Absolutely. I, my cell phone um, I, is 404-668-4040. My email, uh, jane at canyouimagine.com. And you can always just go to our website or follow us um, on Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, I'm just all about, um, helping others, you know, um, achieve their mission of, of, you know, giving that perfect gift within the budget that makes sense for them. Um, and, uh, it'd be, it'd be an absolute, you know, honor to help any of our listeners. So please feel free to contact me personally and our team will take great care of them. Well, Jane, you've been a great guest. Uh, it's been fun to get to know you and to have you on the show Congratulations on all your past success and continued success going forward. Thanks again. Thank you. 